ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سكنتينيو ذس بوك ويتش اكسبلينز ذا كونديشنز اوف لا اله الا الله ذا تيستيموني اوف فيث ذا تيستيموني اوف توحيد that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. That testimony is something which has conditions that go with it. That testimony of La ilaha illallah isn't something that a person just says on his tongue and that's it. But there are meanings behind it that need to be understood. Now when a person says La ilaha illallah, then what does that mean? And what does that require of him? What are the things and the actions and the behaviors that he needs to do then? To practice that La ilaha illallah. And so these are the conditions that we've been mentioning and the aspects of that La ilaha illallah that we've been mentioning. We're now going to mention the fourth condition of La ilaha illallah and that is As-Sidq Al-Munafi Lil-Kathib Al-Mani' Min Al-Nifaq. That is that a person when he says the La ilaha illallah he must be upon truthfulness to that statement. Meaning he must be upon sincerity and truthfulness to that statement when he says it. And that is something that is in opposition to being an individual who is untruthful and like the munafiqeen. Because the munafiqeen at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they used to say La ilaha illallah. But they didn't used to believe in it and they didn't used to practice it. So they were not truthful in their statement. They were not truthful in their statement when they said, La ilaha illallah. So this is one of the conditions that a person needs to be truthful in saying it. So that you practice and implement and be sincere upon it. And do not be like the munafiqeen who used to say, La ilaha illallah, just to show the Prophet ﷺ and the other believers that they are believers as well. And that they are Muslims as well. When in reality they were not. In reality, they didn't believe in La ilaha illallah. In reality, they could barely pray. And when they used to, it was out of laziness, just to show the others that they are Muslims apparently. And they weren't really. So a person, when he says La ilaha illallah, he needs to be upon enthusiasm and truthfulness in practicing that properly. Not to be like the munafiqeen who used to say it, but they didn't really believe in it. And they didn't have any zeal or enthusiasm to practice it. So that's what's going to be spoken about here. Because when a person says, La ilaha illallah, he enters into the fold of Islam, then that person will be tested. There will be tests and there will be trials and there will be different things in the decree of Allah that happen to that person. And so that person needs to get through these tests. And one of those is to see if that person will be upon sincerity and truthful to the statement that he has uttered that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. When these times of difficulty and calamity they happen, will that person still be truthful to that statement and be practicing his religion and be worshipping Allah? Or when these calamities and difficulties and hardships they come, will that person be somebody who abandons their religion and goes off? So this condition here is something of importance that a person must recognize La ilaha illallah isn't just something you say and forget about it. But it's something which requires honesty and truthfulness from a person 
in practicing it and sticking to it, even in times of trials and difficulties. And that's what Allah mentions in this statement in the Quran in Surah Al-Ankabut. Alif, Lam, Mim. أَحَسِبَ النَّاسُ أَنْ يُتْرَكُوا أَنْ يَقُولُوا آمَنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ In this ayah or in these ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that do people think that they will be left alone on just saying that we believe and that they will not be tested? Do people think that they will just be left alone without any tests, without any trials, without Allah testing them? Do they think that they will just be left alone? That's it. They say, La ilaha illallah, they say we believe, and that's the end of it. There won't be any trials, there won't be any tests. Do people think that's the case? Then Allah says, وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ That indeed, we certainly tested those who came before them. We tested those who, be, who came before them. صدقوا, so that it becomes clear and apparent who the truthful ones are, and it becomes clear and apparent who the liars and the untruthful ones are. The meaning of this ayah, Allah is saying quite clearly, that do the people think it is just about saying La ilaha illallah and that's it. That there won't be any trials after that, there won't be any tests after that, there will be. The reality is there will be tests and there will be trials that every person faces during his lifetime. Some difficulty, some calamity, some hardship. They occur, these trials from Allah upon that person. And when these trials they occur and these difficulties they occur, these hardships they may occur, then through those tests and trials, Allah says it will become apparent who the real truthful ones are, who are upon the tawheed, who are upon their trust in Allah and their dependence in Allah. They are the ones who stay firm upon the obedience and worship of Allah. And through those tests and trials, it will become clear who the others are, the ones who are not truthful and sincere upon that statement. And so they do not behave in the appropriate manner when these trials and, just, uh, and uh, uh, tribulations occur to them. Then Allah also mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ مَرَضًا وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ In these ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that there are some individuals who say that we believe in Allah and we believe in the Day of Judgment. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ this is the statement of Allah in the Qur'an telling us these things. That there are some people who say, we believe in Allah and we believe in the Day of Judgment. وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ And in reality they are not believers. They say that we believe in Allah and they say we believe in the Day of Judgment. And in reality they are not believers. يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا 
they attempt to deceive Allah and they attempt to deceive the other believers, the Muslims, into thinking that these people are Muslims as well. They attempt to deceive these others, the believers, the Sahaba at that time. These munafiqeen were attempting to deceive them into thinking that they are Muslims too. So they used to say, we believe in Allah, we believe in the Day of Judgment. And in reality, they were just trying to make a deception. وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ But Allah says, those individuals in reality are not deceiving anyone other than themselves. They are not deceiving anybody else other than themselves. The only deception which is occurring is upon themselves. Because even though they think they are being clever by deceiving the other Muslims into making them thinking that they are believers, and in reality they are not, they think that's clever, they've deceived the Muslims. The reality is, they are only deceiving themselves, because in the hereafter, they will have a severe punishment. As Allah said, إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ فِي الدَّرْكِ الْأَسْفَلِ مِنَ النَّارِ That those hypocrites, who claimed apparently that they are believers, and in reality they were not, then they will be in the lowest pits of the fire. They will be in the lowest pits of the hellfire. So even though they thought they were deceiving Allah and the believers, then in reality they were only deceiving themselves, and they didn't know about that. They didn't perceive or become aware that they're only deceiving themselves in this affair of theirs. فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ مَرَضًا Allah says in their hearts there is a disease, and so Allah has increased them in their disease. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ and they're going to have a severe punishment and torment for that which they used to lie. That which they used to lie, then they will have their severe punishment and torment. So these ayat in the Qur'an, they all show to you the absolute importance for a person to be upon absolute honesty and truthfulness and sincerity to the La ilaha illallah. When he says it, then he knows it and he acts upon it and he behaves accordingly. In practicing and obeying Allah and being truthful to that, even in times of trials and tribulations. Unlike these individuals who Allah spoke about in the Quran, that they were attempting to deceive the others into thinking that they are being truthful to La ilaha illallah and they were not, then for them is a severe punishment and they have not deceived anyone other than themselves. Then there is a hadith in Al Bukhari and Muslim, the hadith of Mu'adh. Ibn Jabal رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ما من أحد يشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله صدقا من قلبه إلا حرمه الله على النار That there is not an individual There is no individual who testifies Who acknowledges and testifies that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and the slave of Allah, truthfully in sincerity from his heart, except that Allah will make the hellfire impermissible for that person. Meaning that person who says that truthfully from his heart, the testification of Tawheed, then that individual who says that and acknowledges that and practices that in truthfulness, he will not be in the hellfire. 
So then to go into the explanation of these ayat and this hadith in more detail, to explain this affair. The first ayah that we mentioned, or the ayat, where Allah said, Alif la meem, ahasiban nasu, that Allah says, do the people think, is this what they think? Ahasiban nasu, an yutraku, that they are going to be left alone without being tested, without being given some trials and tribulations. Do people really think that they're just going to be left alone upon this earth? Without any tests, without any trials, without any tribulations. The reality is the opposite of that. That there are going to be tests, there are going to be tribulations. That's why Allah said, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا That Allah is the one who created death and life to test you. Which of you is the best in your actions? So this life is a test. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that in the Qur'an. That He created death and life in order to test us which is the best in His actions. Similarly, there are other narrations which are mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah which indicate that the prophets and the messengers they used to be tested and they have trials and tribulations upon them. That's why the Prophet said, إِنَّ أَشَدَّ النَّاسِ ابْتِلَاءً الْأَنْبِيَاءِ ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلْ فَالْأَمْثَلْ that the most tested of the people, the most tried of the people, with the most tribulations, the most tests, were the prophets and the messengers themselves. Because of their clinging onto the Qur'an and the Sunnah, or their clinging onto the revelations which they had, clinging onto the revelations which they had, the revelations from Allah, clinging onto the Tawheed, in opposition to all of the people who opposed them, no matter how many they were, and sometimes there were many, the masses used to oppose the prophets and messengers. It's mentioned in a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ saw the previous prophets and messengers and the people who used to accept the message from them, prophets and messengers. And he said, The Prophet ﷺ said, I saw some prophets in a vision and they didn't have except a handful of people with them, three or four or five maybe 8 or 9 or 10, that's it. All of their lives they were calling and preaching to this da'wah, to this tawheed, only a handful of people accepted that. But then the Prophet said even more than that, رَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ وَلَيْسَ مَعَهُ إِلَّا الرَّجُلْ وَالرَّجُلَانِ I saw a prophet or some prophets and they didn't have with them except one or two people, that's it. All of their lives giving da'wah, the revelation of Allah upon them, teaching that and preaching that, only one or two people accepted more than that, the Prophet says, I saw some Prophet or Prophets, and they didn't have a single person with them. All of their lives in the da'wah tawheed, and not a single person had accepted. So this shows that the tests and trials were difficult upon them. How the people, they would oppose them. All you have to do is look at the stories of the Prophets and Messengers. Look at the story of Nuh salam what occurred. And how the people, they opposed him and they mocked him when he was building the ark. All of that story and her opposition of the people towards him. Musa salam and the opposition of the people towards him. Fir'aun, what he used to do. And how he chased them and he attempted to kill them, etc. All of these stories, Ibrahim salam and the people who used to worship. The idols and the stars and the moons, his own father, his people. All of these trials and tribulations that they faced. Isa salam 
with all of the affairs that occurred, to the extent that they even attempted to crucify and kill him. But they were unable to do so. Because as it's mentioned in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised Isa alayhi salam, Jesus as they say, raised him up to the heavens, and that was a different individual who Allah gave the appearance of Isa to, and that individual was the one that they crucified. And then look at the Prophet Muhammad in the end, also all of the trials and tribulations and difficulties from Quraysh, with all of the hardship that they placed upon the Muslims, how they used to persecute the Muslims. These were difficulties and trials and tribulations that they faced. How they used to be beaten up by the Quraysh, by, by the, the Kuffar, the disbelievers, how they were fought against in those battles, their wealth taken, other things taken, all of these tribulations that occurred. And yet, they were firm and strong upon this religion. And that's what this is meant here now, that Allah says, do the people think that they will just be left alone? That the people think they will say, أَنْ يَقُولُوا آمَنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ that the people, they say, we say, La ilaha illallah, we believe. And that's it, now they're just going to be left alone. No tribulations, no tests, no trials. That's not the case, that's not the reality. Rather, they will be tested in different ways. In their money and their wealth. They'll be tested in terms of their wealth and the money that they have. Some fitna comes with regards to that. They'll be tested with their families. They'll be tested with their own selves. Tribulations, your health, other things. These tests and trials, they will come from Allah to work out, or not to work out, but to make apparent. Because Allah already knows who the truthful ones are and who the untruthful ones are. Allah knows that. But these tests and trials are there to make apparent, to make it apparent which ones are the truthful ones and they stick to the Qur'an and the Sunnah in those difficulties and trials and which ones are the untruthful ones who abandon the religion and they go away as soon as some little difficulty comes. So these tests and trials, they will test the people to see who is truthful to La ilaha illallah in reality and who is not. Then Allah said, وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ That indeed we actually tested and tried the people who came before you. Meaning the prophets and the messengers and the righteous people. And how they used to be fought against and how they used to be attacked. Some of them with sores and other things, stories mentioned about them. All these tires and tribulations that occurred to them, and Fir'aun and the things that he used to do, the Pharaoh, in order that, So that Allah will know, meaning it will become apparent and obvious who the truthful ones are and who the untruthful ones are. There's an additional explanation regarding the testing here, regarding mm -hmm. commands and forbiddings. Mm -hmm. Say that it's the duties of Muslims that became too hard for some. That's how they explain it. So it's mentioned here. It's mentioned that when Allah is saying here, do the people think that they are just going to say we believe and that's it? There's not going to be any test or trial upon them. That this was regarding the commandments and the prohibitions. That initially, initially in the early times, all that was required of the people was to believe, to have iman. That's all that was required, to have iman. But then afterwards, all the other prohibitions and commandments and rulings came down. Zakat and fasting and all of the other legislations. So when all of these other legislations, they came down, then it became difficult upon some people. And they were unable to practice that and to stick to that. 
And that's where this ayah came down, these ayat revealing that you're not going to just be left alone without any tests and trials. But this is upon you now, these commandments, all these obligations, the fasting, the prayer, the zakat, these things you have to do them, this is your test. It's not enough just for a person to say, I believe and that's it. But the test is there, the obedience and the worship that you need to do is there. Who will do that and be truthful and who will not? This is the test that Allah has mentioned in this ayah or in these ayat. Then the second ayat where Allah said, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ There are some individuals from the munafiqeen who used to say that we believe in Allah on the day of judgment. Upon their tongues they used to say that. But in their hearts they had disbelief concealed. In their hearts they had disbelief to all of that. And they thought they were deceiving Allah by pretending to say La ilaha illallah. And pretending to go and pray, going and praying with the Muslims. Some of the munafiqeen, they even used to go out and fight jihad with the Prophet ﷺ. In their deception, they used to think this way we will deceive everyone. They will think surely they are with the Muslims. So they used to attempt this deception, thinking that they are deceiving Allah and the other believers. And in reality, they were not deceiving Allah or the other believers. Rather, they were only deceiving themselves. Because they were increasing the punishment which would come to themselves. By pretending and deceiving in this way. And that is why uh, Allah mentioned, That indeed in their hearts there is this illness, and so Allah increases that illness in their hearts. That is their punishment upon this earth. And that's mentioned in other ayat, That when they went astray, when they became misguided in that way, then Allah misguided their hearts further. And this is the recompense for those individuals. Allah does not guide those sinning, disobedient, wrongful people. So these individuals, when they attempted this deception and they moved away from the religion of Allah and from Tawheed into kufr and disbelief, then Allah made that illness increase in their hearts. And then Allah mentions that they have a severe punishment for this lying that they used to be upon. Uh, then there are some other ayat in the Quran, Surah An-Nisa, which prove the same point. But then Al-Imam Sa'adi, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentions regarding these types of ayat, where the munafiqeen used to pretend to be upon Islam and they were not. يُخْبِرُوا تَعَالَى عَنِ الْمُنَافِقِينَ بِمَا كَانُوا عَلَيْهِ مِنْ قَبِيحِ السِّفَاتِ وَشَنَاعِ السِّمَاتِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us about the disgusting and the ugly descriptions that these munafiqeen were upon, where they would pretend to be Muslims and pretend that they are upon Islam and they would go and pray and do the other things. And in reality, in their hearts, they were not upon Islam. فبمجرد أو فمجرد وجود هذه الحال منهم ومشيهم عليها خداع لأنفسهم. They thought they were deceiving Allah, but in reality, they thought that Allah wouldn't know about their hearts and what's in there. In reality, Allah knew about this affair, and Allah exposes this affair, and Allah will punish them upon that affair. So the deception, it's upon themselves. They thought they were deceiving the others, but the deception is upon themselves. And that's something which is mentioned about the munafiqeen. There's that famous story about how they built even a masjid. Some of those munafiqeen, they even built a masjid at the time of the Prophet 
to this level they will go with their deception. The masjid which is known as Masjid al-Birar. They built a masjid next to Masjid Quba. And they said that we need another one. Masjid Quba is close, but we need another one because some people they find it hard to walk down to Masjid Quba. It's sometimes raining, cold. So we need to have another masjid up in this area. It was close to Quba. So they built this masjid. But the reality was these munafiqeen had built that masjid not because they wanted to build a masjid for the sake of Allah so Muslims could pray in there. They built it so that all the munafiqeen could come and use that as a gathering place. They could use it as a gathering place to get together and make plans against the Muslims. But they built a masjid to do it. Because then everybody would think that it's no big deal. If these people are gathering in the masjid, they would say, Alhamdulillah, it's good. They're all getting together in the masjid, doing worship, doing lessons, that's good. Nobody would be suspicious. So the munafiqeen thought that's a good idea. We'll build it as a mosque, we'll gather in the masjid, nobody will be suspicious. It's a masjid, everybody gathers there for lessons, etc. And so we'll gather, not to have lessons or worship, but we'll gather and we'll sit and we'll make plans against the believers. So they built this masjid. On top of that, to get the stamp of approval so nobody would ever be suspicious, they said to the Prophet ﷺ, come and pray in our masjid. We'd like you to come and pray a prayer in our masjid. So the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, I will come. But at that time, he was going to the battle of Tabuk. So he said to them, Wasallam, that when I return, I'll come and pray in this masjid of yours. So when the Prophet ﷺ was returning from that battle, the revelation came down to the Prophet ﷺ, لا تقوم فيه أبدا. Do not go and pray in there ever. Don't stand in that masjid ever. Because the revelation came to the Prophet ﷺ explaining further that this is a masjid built by the munafiqeen, by the hypocrites, by the disbelievers. And so the Prophet ﷺ, when he realized that, he sent some of the companions and they burnt down that so-called masjid. And in reality it wasn't. It was on the appearance of a masjid, but the munafiqeen were using it as a base to plan against Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ sent some companions and they destroyed that building. And they say in the books of Sirah, that after it was destroyed, the Muslims used to use that place as a garbage dump. They would go and throw their rubbish on that place to show their, dis- uh, their, their disgust at the munafiqeen for having used that, trying to make this plan and deception that this is a mosque. And in reality, it was somewhere they were using to plot against the believers. So this is the end result of the munafiqeen. Allah exposes them and Allah punishes them. So an individual needs to be aware of what's in his heart. That he is actually a Muslim, properly a Muslim. Acting upon La ilaha illallah, practicing it, being truthful to that. Knowing what this is requiring of him. Not just to say, I say La ilaha illallah, I go to the masjid once a week and that's it, relax now. But rather Islam and this tawheed, it is something that is uh, a severe affair. A person to be upon it with strength. And that's why in these other ayats of the Quran, Allah mentions about those individuals. In uh, Surah Al-Hadid, in Surah Al-Hadid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتُ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أُنْظُرُونَ نَقْتَبِسْ مِنْ نُورِكُمْ قِيلَ ارْجِعُوا وَرَاءَكُمْ فَالْتَمِسُوا نُورًا فَضُرِبَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِسُورٍ بِسُورٍ لَهُ بَابٌ بَاطِنُهُ فِيهِ الرَّحْمَةِ وَظَاهِرُهُ مِنْ قِبَلِهِ الْعَذَابِ يُنَادُونَهُمْ أَلَمْ نَكُنْ مَعَكُمْ 
So these ayat in Surah Al-Hadid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions some of the affairs regarding those individuals further. So in these ayat Allah says, يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتِ On the day when the munafiqeen, the males from amongst them, and the females from amongst them, the munafiqoon and the munafiqat, they will say to those who believed, you will see those individuals, the munafiqeen and the munafiqat, saying to those who believed, wait for us, that we may have light from your light. Wait for us so we can get some of the light from you too. So it will be said to them, turn back and look for your light. Turn back and seek some light from there. Then a separation will be made between them. It will be a wall which has a door in it. And as for the inside of it, there will be mercy. And as for the outside of it, there will be punishment. Yunadunahum, they will call upon them. They will cry out to them, Were we not with you? They will say, Yes, but you caused yourselves to fall into temptation. And you waited and doubted. And vain desires deceived you till the threatened punishment of Allah came. While the arch deceiver deceived you about Allah. And then after that it will be said, So today ransom shall not be accepted from you, nor from those who disbelieved. Your abode is the hellfire, it is your friend, and how evil is that abode. This is what's mentioned from the threat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon these individuals. From the other characteristics that are mentioned about them, and this is important too, is وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا kusala. That when those individuals, they used to pray, they used to pray and they were in a very lazy state in a state where they didn't have any love or humbleness or humility of obedience to Allah. It was a lazy state that they would come out of just having to do it. And that was something which Allah described them as, nas, that they were only doing it just to show the people that, okay, we're praying. So this was the type of behavior that they were upon. And in reality, لا يذكرون الله ولا يذكرون الله إلا قليلا they didn't really used to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except very little. Their remembrance of Allah was very little. They were not upon obedience to Allah in reality. Their hearts were not connected to Allah in reality. This was just something they would say and proclaim. But their real state was that they were lazy in their prayers. And they were only doing it to show the people. And then Allah said, مُذَبْذَبِينَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ لَا إِلَهَا أُولَاءِ وَلَا إِلَهَا أُولَاءِ أي مترددين بين فريق المؤمنين وفريق الكافرين. They were just here and there. They were neither here nor there. Neither were they with the Muslims in reality because they were hypocrites, and neither were they with the disbelievers in reality because they were pretending to be Muslims. So they were neither here nor there. They were neither here nor there. Mudabdabina, Allah says in the Quran. Neither here nor there, just floating around trying, pretending to be Muslims, and then at the same time not being with the disbelievers then, all here and there, and in reality they were upon nothing, openly trying to show Islam, inwardly upon kufr. So their state was a state of complete misguidance, 
And that's why Allah said that they will be in the lowest pits of the hellfire. And Allah mentioned in the Quran, وَمَن يُضْلِلِ اللَّهُ فَلَن تَجِدَ لَهُ سَبِيلًا that the one whom Allah misguides, then you will not find any way for that individual. You will not find any way for that individual to be saved then. You will not find any mercy for him then. And that is due to these disgraceful characteristics and descriptions that those people they were upon. And because of their lack of sincerity and their lack of truthfulness to this testification of La ilaha illallah, Muhammadun Rasulullah. Finally then we'll come to the narration in the hadith of Al-Bukhari and Muslim. The hadith of Mu'ad ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhu where he said uh, that an individual who testifies man shahida an la ilaha illallah aw ma min ahadin yashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh sidqan min qalbihi illa harramahu allahu ala an-nar that there isn't any person who proclaims and testifies and acknowledges to the testification of tawhid that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah and that Muhammad is the slave of Allah and his messenger, truthfully and sincerely from his heart, and he knows the meaning of that and acts upon it, then Allah will make the hellfire forbidden to that person. That person will be saved from the hellfire then. Uh, and this is, when this was said, when this was said, and it was known that a person who does that upon truthfulness, upon sincerity, not a person who does it like the munafiqeen, that Mu'adh ibn Jabal said to the Prophet ﷺ, shall I not go and tell the people, shall I not go and give glad tidings to the people about this? So the Prophet ﷺ said, even yattakilu. But then the Prophet ﷺ said, if you go and tell people that, they will become reliant and dependent upon that. They will think that's enough then. Say, la ilaha illallah and stick to that and it's enough. But in reality, you need to always be encouraged. La ilaha illallah, knowing its meaning, knowing what it's about, knowing what's required of you, and then going and practicing it and doing it and worshipping and obeying, obeying Allah. Fulfilling all of those things and staying away from the prohibitions. Not to just become dependent on that. I'm saying la ilaha illallah, that's it, I'm safe. That's it, that's the incorrect position to have. And that's why... الشيخ عبيد says وبهذا يظهر لك تطابق الحديث مع ما أورده المصنف من الآيات قبله على رد شهادة إذا لم يجتمع مع لفظها اعتقاد القلب and this is the sheikh making the point that the statement of the shahada لا إله إلا الله it needs with it belief in the heart it's not just about somebody saying لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله but he doesn't believe in it in his heart he doesn't have any knowledge about it in his heart he doesn't practice it that's not the real meaning of it. The meaning of it is to know about it in your heart, what Tawheed is, and to practice it and implement it. Not just to say it and that's it, you're safe. Say it, but to have the knowledge and to act upon it also. وَقَدْ أَكْذَبَ اللَّهُ الْمُنَافِقِينَ وَرَدَّ قَوْلَهُمْ مَعَ تَصْرِيحٍ بِشَهَادَةٍ Because the munafiqeen, they used to say, لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ But Allah rejected and rebuked them. Because even though they used to say it, they didn't have the belief in their hearts. And even though they used to do some actions, their actions were not upon sincerity. So Allah rejected and rebuked all of that. And that's why Allah said in the Quran, إِذَا جَاءَكَ الْمُنَافِقُونَ قَالُوا نَشْهَدُ إِنَّكَ لَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Allah said, when they come to you, these munafiqeen, and they say, we testify you are the messenger of Allah. وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ إِنَّكَ لَا رَسُولُهُ And Allah knows that you are His messenger. وَاللَّهُ يَشْهَدُ إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ لَكَاذِبُونَ but Allah testifies that those munafiqeen, they are liars. 
when they come and say to you, we testify you are the messenger of Allah, they're liars. And they are not in reality upon that. So a person needs to be aware that when he says, La ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah, he needs to practice that, implement that, obey Allah, stay away from the prohibitions. That is the real practicing of it. The Shaykh concludes by saying some benefits here. One of them is, جواز تخصيص المعلم بعض تلاميذه بمسائل من العلم دون الآخرين أو آخرين إذا خشي عدم فهمهم لها. It's possible sometimes you teach some people certain things because they are able to understand them and you don't teach other people those things because they won't be able to understand them. That's a means of giving da'wah. So when you give da'wah to people, you teach them things that they'll know and they can understand them. Sometimes things might be complicated, some issues that are difficult to understand. So don't confuse the people with them. They might get the wrong understanding. They might then depend upon those things. So here there's one benefit to be taken that the Prophet ﷺ told Mu'adh ibn Jabal. But he said to him, don't go and tell everybody else yet. Because they might not understand some of these things. So explain to them in a good way, bit by bit what they understand, until they can then understand the affairs. Uh, also, uh, And this is something we used to mention before in the previous lessons, that removing the harms... Removing some evil is given precedence over bringing some good. If you have a choice, you can either do something good and bring about some goodness, but that will mean some evil will occur and will remain. Or you could get rid of the evil, but at the cost of being able to do that good thing. Then in that case, what you're supposed to do is get rid of the evil, even if it means you're going to have to forfeit that goodness. And that's a, a principle that we spoke about previously in Kun Salafiyan Al Jadda. So we'll conclude upon that. That is the end of the fourth condition, which is the truthfulness and sincerity to this La ilaha illallah. And next time we'll start with the fifth condition of La ilaha illallah, which is Al-Mahabbah. Love, having that love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, love for the Messenger of Allah, love for this religion, love for Tawheed. We'll begin with that next time. Uh, and we'll explain some of the evidences in the Quran regarding this love for Allah and the love for the Messenger and the love for the religion and how that is to be done sincerely and purely, so that a person is doing that in the correct way, and not falling into any shirk in opposition to that. So inshallah, that will be next week at the same time, approximately 7.27.25. If there's any questions, we'll take them. Otherwise, we'll carry on from next week. Otherwise, we'll remind you that you should carry on seeking knowledge, do as much as you're able, use your time beneficially, and there are other ways as well. This is a once-a-week lesson we have, and you should make an attempt to come to this lesson, bring your friends, family, other people who can benefit from hearing about the Qur'an, ayats that Allah has told us about, hadith in the sunnah the Prophet has mentioned. One hour a week, you should bring your friends, family, so that they can learn these things, and they practice these things, and maybe that benefits them, and maybe they hear something, and they are affected by what they hear and they begin to practice. They begin to pray. They begin to do other things that maybe they weren't doing before because of something beneficial they hear from some hadith or some ayah in the Qur'an. So you should encourage your friends, family, relatives to come to these gatherings for the sake of learning and educating yourselves. And nothing should prevent you from that. From these gatherings here or other places, there are lessons in Bradford which is close by as well. There are lessons there every week on a Friday night. For those who are able to travel further, there are lessons in Manchester every Saturday night. There are lessons going on in all these places. 
where we speak about the Qur'an, about the Sunnah, we educate ourselves, advise ourselves on these affairs, then a person should attend those, whether they are in Bradford, Manchester, or here in Leeds. And nobody should prevent you from that, and no speech should prevent you from that. And if any speech is preventing you from that, then that is incorrect and it is not in the uh, correctful and rightful place. So you should encourage everyone to come and benefit from these lessons, whether they are here or elsewhere. And on top of that, whether it is being delivered by any particular speaker or other speakers. If you go to the website now, Al-Basira Audio, you will find all types of lectures by different speakers, scholars, translated, etc. So take some of those and listen to them also. You go to other websites, learnaboutislam.co.uk, you'll get some from there. But all these various websites, you should visit them. Albasira.com, the audio, what's it? Audio.albasira.com. So you should go to this, audio.albasira.com. And you'll see all types of different lectures and different audios that you can download and listen to. And you should benefit yourselves in that way. So everybody should uh, advise themselves and encourage themselves to continue to come and their friends and families and relatives. Who knows that they will hear something and they'll be affected by that and it changes their lives and they begin to practice for the better. So we'll conclude upon that point for now and continue next week inshallah. <coughs> You know when the Munafik built this masjid, yeah. um, and the uh, Prophet was going and Allah prohibited him from going, is that in the Quran? That I, that it's in the Quran. It's in uh, uh, which uh, surah is this? La Masjid al Ustis ala Taqwa min Awwal Yawmin. Where is this ayah? It's, it's an ayah in the Quran. Yeah, mm. 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 It's an ayah in the Quran. It's an ayah in the Quran that was revealed. La Taqum fihi Abada, the ayah says. Do not go and stand in there ever. Don't go and pray in there ever. That ayah was talking about this masjid that the munafiqeen had built. And then Allah said that Allah loves that a masjid should be built upon taqwa in that same ayah. Allah loves... Is it Surah Al-Isra? Or which one is it? Somebody find it, huh? Allah loves that the masjid should be built upon taqwa. And that one obviously wasn't. And then Allah says He loves the people who are upon purity. And the munafiqeen are not upon purity. So all of this was in the Quran, This uh, what, what happened. That revelation of that, uh, that masjid, what they built and everything. Jibreel came and gave the revelation to the Prophet as he was returning and told him what is occurring with regards to that masjid. And that's why the Prophet sent the companions and they destroyed it. They destroyed that masjid then. Just to ask you about, you were talking about pure, pure hypocrites that Allah mentioned in the Quran. Mm. What about those people about the traits of hypocrisy? No? Yeah, traits of hypocrisy, there's hadith about it. The Prophet said that some Muslims they might have some traits or descriptions of hypocrisy in them. Like somebody who makes a promise and breaks his promise. Or somebody who speaks but he lies. Or somebody who is treacherous, he's, uh, he's entrusted with something, but he breaks his trust. These types of characteristics are characteristics of the munafiqeen. But that doesn't mean that a person who does those things is a munafiq. It means he's committed a sin. It's a bad sin. And it's a sin which is a description of the munafiqeen that he's done. So it's something very evil and he should avoid those things. Because somebody does them, then it's as if he has got some descriptions of the munafiqeen in him. And obviously you want to avoid that. But that doesn't mean that the person is a munafiq if he does it. It just means he's committing a sin which is causing some resemblance to him and the munafiqeen. And that's something obviously you want to avoid. Surah Tawbah. Surah Tawbah. Right at the beginning, ayah number one, sah? Uh, in Surah Tawbah then, in the ayat and in Surah... No, no, uh, not in the beginning then, it's later on. Surah Tawbah, you sure? Yes, chapter number 9. Uh, okay. 
So it's uh, it's it's later on in Surah At-Tawbah. Nine is uh, Al-Anfal. Huh? No, eight is Al-Anfal. Eight is Al-Anfal? No. Okay. We'll get the exact reference, inshallah, for next week for this ayah. In fact, there's, there's a chapter in Kitab al-Tawheed. If you have time next week, I'll bring the full chapter, the full story, inshallah. We'll go through it. His name was Abu Amr al-Fasiq, this individual. And when he went to uh, Syria and other places, he saw them worshipping idols and he liked it. So he came back to Mecca and the Medina and these places, and he began to uh, uh, propagate that. 108 in Tawbah. Surah Tawbah 108. So if you have a look at that, you'll see it there. Because he was famous. This man used to be famous. In Medina, and everybody used to go to him. But when the Prophet ﷺ came, everybody went to the Prophet ﷺ, and they all became Muslims. So he became jealous. So then he went and he got all the munafiqeen together, and they built this masjid to try to destroy Islam. And this is what happened in the end. So we'll continue next week, inshallah ta'ala.